the thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have and enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afwakwa. Pastor Afwakwa is the founder and general overseer of Embassy of Life Chapel, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Praise the Lord. Okay, so Joel 2.21, it says, Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord will do great things. Somebody say, God will do great things. Most of the time, people enter the year and they are looking at what God will do. Scripture makes us know what the mind of God is. God's mind is that he wants to do great things. Somebody say, God is doing great things. For the Lord will do what? Great things. Somebody say, the Lord will do great things. Say the Lord will do great things. God is set to do great things every time. He's a great God and he does great things every time. He does great things every time. But our experience of what God does is always predicated on how we position ourselves to receive what God is doing. God is not somebody who is small. The Bible said he's able to do exceedingly abundant above all that we can ask or think. He's in the business of doing great things every time. But our positioning and our location will always determine. Nanando, the president can be on Love FM right now. But if your FM station or your radio station is tuned to, let's say, Ultimate FM, you are not likely to hear what's going on. It doesn't mean that the president is not speaking on radio. The president is speaking on radio. But because you are not tuning there, you cannot assess. And the series of teachings I'm doing is to position you such that you can receive and be a partaker of what God is doing. This is no ordinary year. I hope you can see that already. This is no ordinary year. There are not two years that are the same, but much more this particular year. Anything is possible. Did you hear what I said? Anything is possible. There is nothing that is impossible with men that is not possible with God. But it must become also possible with you. And that's what you need to do in order to experience that. And that's what basically I'm, I'm, I've been sharing with you. And we look at the fact that in order to experience 2022 and make it a great year, number one, we needed to make spiritual preparations. After ending, we make great spiritual preparations. We've done that. And then we say we must dream great dreams. Somebody said dream great dreams. All right. So if your dream is not on paper, you have to start dreaming now. You have to dream great dreams. Beyond dreaming great dreams, you have to make great sacrifices. Somebody say great sacrifices. And that is where I've been staying for a while. Next week, I will move on to something else. But in the course of the month, we'll still come back to making great sacrifices. But next week, I'll be talking about making great decisions making great decisions. Your dream is great, but if your decisions are weak, you won't go far. You won't go far at all. There are a lot of people who have great dreams, great ambitions, but their decisions are very weak. 
They are very, very, very poor in their decision, their line of reasoning, their thinking, and their decisions. You see, this church, our focus is to help you to do things in three ways. One is to know God well. Somebody say, know God well. Uh, and this year, one of the teach series I'll be doing is knowing God as a teaching series. Know God well. And then, when you know God well, anytime anybody truly knows God well, it influences how they live. Somebody say, how you live. Yeah. I would choose the knowledge of God over and over, a million times over anything called a degree or whatever. The knowledge of God is supreme. It's what? It's supreme. I don't care how much a person has. I don't care what, how much a person knows. As long as he doesn't know God, it's not worth much. But this morning, I want to share with you something. Our focus for the year is grace. Somebody say grace. Grace. And somebody is wondering, Pastor, but this grace that you have been talking about, apart from what you did, you have not spoken about grace. Because I have a lot of time to teach on grace. Somebody say, Pastor has a lot of time to teach on grace. Yes. It's a lifetime message I am to preach. So I'm not in a hurry to teach you. You'll be fed with grace until you have overdose. You'll be walking in grace overdose. But this needs to set you on course so that the grace, because if you don't get these fundamentals right, the grace that is released, it will not be profitable to you. Are you with me here? It will not be profitable to you. If you don't get these fundamentals right, the grace we are talking about will not be profitable to you. This morning, I want to share with you something. I've already started sharing, but you see, there are various avenues of grace. Various avenues we access grace. Humility gives us grace. Prayer gives us grace. But giving also brings us into grace. Somebody say grace. And the grace that giving brings is different from my own experience as a pastor. The graces I've enjoyed, be it seeing the sick heal, seeing revelations from the word of God, or demonstrating God practically to people. I have seen that increase every time I've taken a step forward in giving. And so I was not surprised when I saw it in scripture that the text that we use, grace abounds, grace abounds, the actual context within which God makes all grace. You see, God can make some grace abound to you. The Bible says in the book of First Peter, he says, submit yourselves to one another. For God resisted the proud, but giveth more grace to the humble. Are you with me here? God gives more grace. There is more grace. There are various degrees of grace. There's a seeding grace. There's abundant grace. There is more grace. There is strong grace. But there is what we call all grace. Somebody say all grace. There's a certain grace when it comes upon your life. It influences your marriage. It influences your relationships. It influences every part of your life. When your children appear, people see that these are graceful children. When people walk into your environment, they sense and feel that you are a carrier of grace. I pray that that will be a testimony this year. You see, grace is tangible. Grace is tangible. It's perceptible. The Bible says when they looked at Paul and they perceived the grace of God. From this year, may people perceive the grace of God on your life. There are some people when you look at them, their lives are graceless. Graceless. That's not the life God wants you to live. There's a better life for you in Christ. Somebody said, there's a better life for me in Christ. Yeah. Grace. Look at this text with me. Second Corinthians chapter 
before I, I, I zoom in into what I'll be teaching on 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 to 8. Hmm. But this I say, somebody say, but this I say. Now, because of time, when you go home, make time and then read first, Second Corinthians chapter 8, chapter 9. Those are the two longest treaties on giving in the New Testament. And then, of course, a little bit of First Corinthians chapter 16. Those three uh, references talked about giving. The first one, he talked about giving. The second one, he's talking about giving. And here, having talked about how the... Uh, compared the Macedonian church, their preparation to that of the uh, Corinthian church and encouraging them on. Paul spoke on further and came here and he says, but I say unto you, he which soweth sparingly shall also reap what? Sparingly. Let's do the new King James. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. I will do, I'll come and do a, a, an extensive teaching on it. I just want to use it as a basis. Now he said, every man, somebody say every man, See, he's talking about giving and he's not saying let the rich give, let the few give, let the intellectuals give. He said every man as he has purpose in his heart, God never takes from the rich and leaves the poor. Because the only way to break the back of poverty is through giving. The curse of poverty cannot be broken by savings and investment. They are broken through giving. Somebody say giving. So if you are poor and you don't learn to give, you'll be poor the rest of your life. I'm not communicating here. If you are poor, the reason why Africa will continue to be at the mercy of the nations of the world is because we are still receiving. We are still receiving. We are still at the receiving end. But when we tell ourselves no longer, I like what Kigami is doing in Rwanda, and I pray that that spirit will fall across Africa. Every man, according to us, let him give, not gradually. All of necessity for God loved a cheerful giver. Look at verse 8. Let's read that together. And God, somebody say, and God, and God. is able to make what? Oh. Abound toward who? Abound toward who? Not just you. To the one who sows. God is able to make all grace abound to you that you always have all sufficiency in all things will abound unto every good work. If you want to walk in all graces this year, one of the important decisions you must make is to be a generous soul. Somebody say a generous soul. Generous soul. Generous soul. Grace. Grace. Doors open to you without prayer when you are a generous soul. Ideas flow into your mind when others are frustrated. God gives you wisdom on how to manage your wife so that you are not having problems left, right, center. Am I communicating here? All grace comes. This year you walk in all grace. I say you walk in all grace. Amen. Now, this morning, I'll be teaching you as a leader and as a pastor of the church. And I am speaking to you as your shepherd and father. There are some people I preach to them. There are some people, they are my sheep. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they know me. The voice of another, they will not follow. There are some people come to the church. But when it comes to matters of principle, matters of titan, giving and all of that, their philosophy is not the philosophy of the church. Their philosophy is not rooted in what I teach. It is through some dubious uh, discoveries they have made, which cannot be taught from uh, Genesis to Revelation in Scripture. And sometimes you may even find some of them trying to propagate it, sharing it on social media with other people. You have to be very careful when you decide to teach a subject. I'm not talking about chemistry. I'm not talking about biology. I'm talking about God's word. Be careful 
If you have not been trained in the word, if you don't know it for real, if you have not done a proper detailed exegesis of the scriptures, don't go about trying to teach somebody because you can create confusion. And the Bible talks about that in James. It said, let not many of you be teachers because teachers shall be severely punished for what they teach. Am I complicating it? You have to be very careful. Don't just receive any message and forward it to somebody when you cannot fully understand the concept of it from scripture. Yeah. Don't just go on Facebook because you have a face and there's a book. You put your face there and you begin to type things because you are trying to listen. Be very careful because when you affect people's faith, God is going to deal with you. Am I complicating it? God is going to deal with you. God speaks to you through the Holy Spirit. He speaks to you through his word and he speaks to you through your pastor. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they know me. Amen? I'm going to teach you on why we believe and practice faithful sacrifice in ELC. Why we believe and practice faithful sacrifice in ELC. There's something I have practiced for years. And as a church, we practice it. This is a faithful service. And I, I just felt that I should help you understand why we do that. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 9 to 10. Look at this. He said, honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruit of all your increase. Look at what the Bible says. So your bonds will be filled. Somebody say your bonds. 2022, your bonds shall be filled. Your bonds will be filled with opportunities. Doors of grace and abundance will open to you. Divine ideas will flow to you. You'll make right contacts. In the mighty name of Jesus. Somebody shout a better Amen. He says, honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruit of all your increase, so your bonds will be filled with plenty, and your presses shall burst out with new wine. Now, come to Genesis chapter 4, verse 3 to 5. Genesis 4, 3 to 5. He says, and in the process of time, somebody say in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an, please look on the screen with me, Cain brought an of the fruit of the ground to the Lord and Abel, verse 4, let's go. Abel also brought but he did not respect Cain and Cain was very angry and his countenance was sad. This scripture is very deep. I don't have the time to fully uh, go into the details. But whatever God did to show Abel that he accepted his offering, for that thing to have provoked his brother to the point of killing him, that must be very significant. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. It must be very significant. It means it was tangible. He could see it. When his offering was accepted, he could see it. There was something that brought it brought into his life that provoke that envy we know that people don't just get envious and jealous of people for nothing i've never seen a poor man who is envied i envy the poor because of the way he's working no nobody envies a poor person the bible said the poor man rather is hated people hate him for no reason you are coming they are going they don't want to have anything to do because you are poor you won't be poor somebody say i won't be poor say i am not poor the Bible says, his brother saw it. They brought an offering. One brought it, God accepted. This scripture tells us a lot about God. And we see it right from Genesis. It's important we appreciate that. From Genesis, God shows that he doesn't just take anything. 
Yeah, because when you are dealing with somebody who is in need, anything you give him is okay. It is only somebody who has no food to eat that you can serve him rice and there's no stew in it and he's seriously eating it. But when somebody has something to eat by himself, has options, and you give him food, he can tell you, I don't like this food. I don't like this food. The taste is not good. Why? Because if I don't eat this, I can have another option to eat. But when you don't have options, then you can settle. When Cain brought his offering, God said, listen, Cain, I don't accept this. Abel, I like your offering. I like your person and I like your offering. Now, when you go to Malachi, which is the last book of the Old Testament, the same thing was also done. Praise the Lord. The same thing. He says that offer this to your uh, governance. Would they accept it? What you give to man and he will refuse, I cannot accept. When the man, Ananias and his wife brought an offering, God said, listen, every other person's offering is okay. Ananias, because this is first fruit, it's supposed to be whole. You decided to uh, be strategic. That is it. You have to appreciate this very well. God is very fastidious when it comes to the things we give to him. Somebody say God is fastidious. When we say fastidious, somebody who is choosy. He has a choice. He owns the earth is the loss and the fullness are of the world and they that dwell therein. He's founded it upon the seas, established it upon the flats. Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? He has clean hands and a pure heart. Who are not lifted up his soul unto vanity nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. I want to bring you to a place of maturity. In this our new phase as a church, no baby will be in the church. I'm not going to be teaching things that will just excite and tickle your emotions. I'm going to be teaching you things that can help you to line upon line, defend your faith and your practices. So, he brought the offering and God said, no way. You see, this is the first time I was telling you that if I want to really spend time, it will take my time. But this is the first time human beings who were born were giving something to God. This is the very first time in scripture. You see, technically, Genesis is not part of the Old Testament. The Old Testament really has to do with Exodus all the way to Malachi. Genesis is a book that stands by itself on its own. It gives us a proper account of everything that happened in the beginning. Genesis and the book of John are very similar. In the beginning, Genesis 1, God. In the beginning, John 1, 1, in the beginning, God said that those two books are very, very similar. John is different from the other synoptic gospel. The same way Genesis stands alone. In Genesis, we see creation. In Genesis, we see marriage. Everything that happened first, even the story of redemption, is first told in Genesis. Praise God. It's a unique book by itself. That's why the things that happen in Genesis are very relevant. A lot of people, when they are talking about law, and uh, we are not under law, or we are not under law, they just bundle Genesis and they think Genesis is law. Genesis is not law. Genesis predated law. Everything that happened in Genesis predated the law. When if you see the man Abraham, the father of faith, give tithes, he was not doing it out of law. When Abel and his brother came to give an offering, they were not doing it out of law. They were doing it out of a revelation granted them by the Holy Ghost. Is somebody hear what I'm talking about? They gave. Who taught them to give? It must be the Holy Ghost. That's why I love the Holy Ghost. He's just a sweet teacher. The Holy Ghost can teach you things you will never read in a book. Most of the things I practice in my marriage and as I have them, I did not read them in a book as it were. I never read a book that said that every time you speak with your wife, when you finish the conversation, end it with I love you. I've never read it in a book. Praise the Lord. Yeah. But practice.
baptism that has helped me have a sweet hope. Even when I'm angry, I will still say I love you. Am I complicating? Yeah. And you can't say I love you to somebody you are angry with and the anger will still be in place. Yeah. But you, when you are angry, your phone is even switched off. Flight mode. You come, your wife is this way, you even greet her. That's why you have problems. And if you don't change, you will die in chains. Am I complicating here? Understand that. Very critical. When you follow the Holy Spirit and you follow the word of God, things work. Things work. But when you decide to be very rational and very sensible, you will end up becoming senseless. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom of the word. Somebody say an amen. amen. Huh? The first fruit is the first offering that was mentioned in scripture. This I was just telling you about. This is human beings. They are first giving something to God. You see, if Adam gave something to God, we could not usually relate with it because Adam was not born. Adam was not born. Adam was created. But the people who were born like us, that was Cain and Abel. They were born like us. And when human beings, that's what I mean by human beings, first time human beings are giving something to God, what they bring is the first fruit. And that's significant. That's very, very significant. Unfortunately, the first fruit is a subject that is least known about. In the average church, I mean, a number of you here who practice it today, if you have not come here, you never knew anything about first fruit. How many of you can testify that you didn't know first fruit until you entered this church? Lift up your hand. Don't be ashamed of anything. And the average Christian, I can almost tell one or two churches that also teach it. But it's not something that is commonly taught. And the tithe is much known. It's much known. And people are even debating that. Sometimes I understand why people will not teach the first fruit because even the tithe, when you teach tithe, where you are encouraging people to honor God with 10%, people think you love money. So if you now tell people, take your whole man's salary and give it to God, ah, this pastor is a cheat. This pastor is a cheat. They are, are, you, they are trying to beat people. Praise the Lord. Yeah. So the pastors will rather shy away from subjects that will not make them popular. But thank God I overcame that long ago. No, 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 no. I don't teach to your applause. I teach to his applause. Every time I pick this pulpit and I'm communicating the word of God, I'm mindful that one day on the source of eternity, I will give account of everything I taught here. So I'm not here to tickle your fancy or make you angry or make you acceptance. I know I'm accepted by the most important person on the planet. I'm accepted in the beloved. I don't need your acceptance. Tell to your neighbor, say, Pastor, that's only your acceptance. The truth of the matter is that no matter what I teach, there are some of them you will be happy with, some of them you will not be happy with. So I just have to be free and you be myself. Turn to your neighbor and say, He's himself. himself. Alright, so this is it. The first fruit or the first offering mentioned in scripture. That's the first offering, the first time people give something to God. And we want to understand it. What is the first fruit? When we talk about the first fruit, it has to do with the first. Somebody say the first. Say the first. In Hebrew, it refers to the first beginning. Somebody say beginning. beginning. Say best. best. Chief. And the choice part. Somebody say the choice part. Alright, so the first fruit has to do, the principle of the first fruit it was initiated by God when he brought the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. He brought them out of the land of Egypt. He was taking them to the promised land. And he told them he killed all the firstborns of Egypt. And then consecrated all the firstborns all to himself. So the first fruit has to do with number one, first. Somebody say first. Whatever comes first in place, time, order, or rank 
is first fruit. Somebody say, whatever comes first. Say it. Whatever comes first. In place, in time, order, or rank. That's first fruit. So, look at it. Let's look at these few references. Exodus 34, 13, 2. Quickly. Exodus 13, 2. It says, Sanctify, consecrate unto me all the firstborn males. Can you see that? Sanctify to me that is set apart for my purpose. Every firstborn, the first offspring of every womb among the children of Israel, both man and of animal is mine. Exodus 34, 19. The message version. Every firstborn from the womb is mine. Somebody say, every firstborn. Say, every firstborn from the womb is mine. Alright. Now, look at Numbers chapter 3, verse 11 to 13. That is the principle of the first. Every, every first. And the Lord said, let's read it together. The Lord said to Moses, look, I have chosen the Levites from among the Israelites to serve as substitutes for all the firstborn sons of the people of Israel. The Levites belong to me. Are you following? He said, the Levites belong to me. Verse 13, for all the firstborn males are Okay, on the day I struck down all the firstborn sons of the Egyptians, I set apart for myself all the firstborn in Israel, both of people and of animals. They are my, I'm the Lord. Now, God is speaking to people who are typically agricultural practitioners, animal husbandry people and all of that. And that's the language they understand. He says, among you, whatever opens your mattress belongs to me. It's a principle of the first. And I want you to appreciate the word principle principle, the practices may be different. Because some people, sometimes in their uh, opposition, they say, okay, if they are talking about first fruit, then we should bring animals. We can't bring animals because in this era, we don't uh, uh, use animals. The same principle, if you want to use animals, then stop driving your car and start riding on a donkey. Because that is also a means of transport. Am I communicating here? Because we live in an era, the times and the seasons are different. So you apply the principle, the same principle. What's the principle? The principle is that first things belong to God. Somebody say first things. Say first things belong to God. Now, when you come into uh, Christ, you realize that when Jesus was speaking in John chapter 6, in Matthew 6, verse 33, he said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Proton, first things first. In other words, that which is paramount must go to God. So follow. So number one, I said first fruit has to do with first in place. Somebody say first in place. Number two, first fruit has to do with beginning. Somebody say beginning. Beginning, beginning, beginning. The same word is translated in Genesis 49 verse 3. Reuben, thou art my firstborn. He says, my might and the beginning of my strength. The word beginning in the Hebrew has to do with first. It has to do with uh, the same translation that is translated first fruit. The beginning of my strength. Now again, the word first fruit means chief, most important. Chief or most important. Psalm 78 verse 51. Psalm 78 verse 51. Look how the Bible says, and smote all the firstborn in Egypt. The chief. Can you see the chief? Can you see the word chief? The word chief in the Hebrew has to do with first fruit of their strength in their tabernacles. That is first fruit. Praise God. So the first fruit has to do with the principle of first things. Somebody say first things. First things. Say first things. things. Alright. So in our context, in their context, if you were an, a, a farmer, 
and you farm the very first harvest, you gave it up as a first fruit. All of the first harvest goes to God as first fruit. That was a practice under the Old Testament. In our era and in our day, how can we practice the same principle of giving God the first? That's where we look at honoring God with our first salary of the year. That is one aspect. Again, you can also start a business and you start a business, you have operational costs and all of that. But once the business begins to make profit, your first profit must be offered to God as first fruit. Are you with me here? Are you following what I'm teaching? Now, you may also be running your own business like the year has begun. You're as a businessman, you run your own office, you have your own firm. Your first profit in the month, put it together as a business and honor God with it as a first fruit. Are you with me here? Okay. Now, you may also be working on a job. It's a principle of the first. First things first. You may be working on a job and then the year has begun. They decided, well, we should review your, your pay upwards. And so we are going to give you, instead of 10,000 Ghana CD, we are going to give you 20,000 Ghana CD. The first, receive it in Jesus' name. Now, now, now the first 10,000 you receive, you offer it to God as first fruit. Are you following what I'm teaching? Now, that is a principle of first fruit. Let me show you five great truths about the first fruit offering. Five great truths about the first fruit offering. And when I'm done, I will show you why we practice it as a church. Okay? Number one, it's a special offering to God. Somebody say it's a special offering to God. The first fruit offering is a special offering. Last night, I think around 11 p.m. or thereabout, I was just going through the Holy Spirit was just bringing to my mind. Some of the things God says are mine. And it was humbling hearing God and hearing the Holy Spirit draw my attention to things that God says are mine. You don't find that many things in scripture where God says they are mine. He said the tithe belongs to the Lord. It is mine. The first fruit is mine. Then he says vengeance is mine. There are things God says they are his. And so any attempt to take them away, he, he will just watch you. And then you will mess up your destiny. You will mess your life. Amen. Somebody say an amen. amen. He says in the book of Exodus, Sanctify unto me whatsoever openeth the mattress first. That belongs to the Lord. It's a special offering. Look at Deuteronomy 15, 19 to 20. The CEV version. Deuteronomy 15, 19. Look at this. He said, if the firstborn animal or cow or sheep or goat is a male, it must be given to the Lord. Don't put firstborn cattle to work or cut wool from firstborn sheep. Instead, each year, somebody say each year. Now look at that. Look at that. Look at that. Instead, each year you must take the firstborn. Each year. Somebody say each year. Yeah, that's very significant. You must take the firstborn of those animals to the place where the Lord your God chooses to be worshipped. Alright? Then you and your family will sacrifice there to the Lord and then eat as part of a sacred meal. He says, each year, take it to the place of worship. The first fruit. That's what he's saying. It is a special offering. Somebody says a special offering. Number two, it's a sacrificial offering. The first fruit is a sacrificial offering. And anybody who talks against giving the first fruit and all of those things, they simply don't understand the spirit of the New Testament. I'll come to it. I'll come to it. We don't sacrifice like they used to do in the Old Testament, but sacrifice is an integral part of our work with God. Number two is a sacrificial offering. Look, this account, the author of the book of Hebrews, which I believe was Paul, wrote and said in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 4, he said, by faith, somebody say by faith. By faith. 
I've never met anybody who has not given first fruit. Who is not lacking faith? It's faith. It takes faith. No matter, they can give all manner of excuses. I don't understand because of this. The bottom line is that the faith to do it is not there. The Bible said by faith. Because it, it takes faith to take your whole month something and say, I'm giving it away. And for those of us who have trained ourselves to do it at once, there are some people, they have their faith. They break it down. This month, I'll give this. That month, I'll give that. And it's fine. As long as you are genuinely honoring God with it. But to take the whole of it and offer it, it takes a lot of faith. And it takes faith to make a difference in life. The difference between the weak and the strong is faith. The difference between the sick and the healed is faith. Faith is everything. The Bible said the just shall live by faith. Without faith, you can never become all that God wants you to become. You always be limited. The thing that takes the lead off you, the thing that makes you operate beyond your capacities or natural intellectual abilities is faith in God. With God, all things are possible. With faith, all things are possible to you. Somebody say, I walk in faith. I function in faith. I live in faith. Look at that. He says, by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. What sacrifice was he talking about? The first free sacrifice. He said, Abel did it in an excellent way by faith. By faith. By faith. By faith. Not today, maybe next month. When we are receiving the next edition of the first fruit, I will share with you how to offer the first fruit because this is one of the things by faith. Faith must be in place. Without it, we are not going anywhere with it. He says, by which he obtained a witness that he was righteous and testified of his gift. And by it, he being dead, yet speaketh by faith. Somebody say by faith. Okay, so it's a sacrificial offering. He offered a more excellent sacrifice and he did it by faith. Number two, it's an honor offering. Somebody say an honor offering. An honor offering. Uh -huh. an honor if it is something that we do by faith, and it's something we do to show honor, I'm not sure anybody who is very logical and reasonable and has a renewed mind in his thinking would say that we deserve to honor God in the Old Testament, but we don't need to honor God in the New Testament. Yeah. If God was honored with sacrifices in the Old Testament, he's still honored. That same God is still on it. So he says, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruit of all thy increase. So shall thy bands be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Overflow with new wine. Overflow with new wine. This year you overflow with new wine. First Samuel chapter 2 verse 30. If you see a man walking in honor, he has decided to honor God. Let me tell you, the people or the persons you choose to honor will determine to a large extent how far you go in life. If you become a great person, you will succeed and be all that God will have you become. You have to be very, very decisive about the subject of honor. The people you choose to honor. If you honor your husband, you have a great marriage. If you honor your pastor, your spiritual life will be in shape. If you honor God, the very best of God becomes yours. Am I communicating here? If you honor your boss, you will never pray for promotion, but you will also never lack promotion. People fail or succeed through honor. Honor is a key difference between the success and the failed. You won't fail in life. I said you won't fail in life. If you see a marriage that is very full of uh, all kinds of uh, argument, every there is a woman who is not understood the principle of honor. There is a man who has not understood the principle of honor. When you learn to honor, everything changes around you. Everything changes. And honor begins with our honor for God. Now, listen, the Ten Commandments were given just for these two reasons. One, 
to demonstrate honor to God and honor to our fellow man. That's all it's about. Love for God, love for man. The Bible says love does not dishonor. When we love God and we love people, we don't dishonor them. Look at what the Bible says here. This was a man whom God blessed and anointed, but he forgot to honor God. And particularly, it had to do with offerings and other things. Here, he says, Therefore the Lord thy God says, I said indeed that your house, somebody say your house, and the house of your father will walk before me forever. Please, take note, because this is very, very important. God says, I'm going to make sure that your house walks before me forever. That is, is, is an uncommon uh, promise for God to make to any person. But God revoked it because of dishonor. May you not lose out on the best of God. Amen. I said, may you not lose out on the best of God. Amen. The reason why God revoked it was not because they didn't break. Because of this honor, he said, but no, that says the Lord, far be it from me. For those who honor me, I will what? Talk to me. Those who honor me, I will what? And those who despise me, I will lightly esteem. That's God. Learn to honor. Every time you dishonor God appointed authority, any authority God has appointed, you are dishonoring God. Every time, every time. By the time a wife opens her mouth to any angle and insults the husband, woman, you have problem, oh. You have serious problems. And I don't care what your husband tells you. There are certain things you shouldn't do. Am I complicating it? Yeah. And if you have done it out of anger, go back and apologize. Because, you know, sometimes people suffer all manner of sicknesses and disease. And it's not the devil. It's simply because they are working in dishonor. They are working in dishonor. This year, make a choice to walk in honor. Turn to your neighbor and say, I choose to walk in honor. Honor one another. Honor people in church. Honor leadership. It's a foundational thing that distinguishes failed people from successful people. He says, I said this, but I've changed it because <laughs> you didn't honor me. Now, when you go to Genesis, there was somebody who also came to honor God. God has said something negative. He changed it. This one, it was positive, and God changed it. But Genesis, give me Genesis chapter 8, verse 21. Speak in the language of the spirit for a moment. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Glory, 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 glory. Glory. Now look at that. Go to verse 20. Verse 20. Then Noah built an altar unto the Lord and took, give me the new international version, and took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl. This is honor because please take note. Noah built an altar to the Lord and taking some of all clean animals, clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. Take note. Take note of clean. Somebody say clean. Now, we will come back to this. But let's go to uh, Malachi chapter 1 and then we'll come back and finish here because that's very important because that's where we see the honor. The honor. What Noah did, he was offering a sacrifice, but there was honor to it. Malachi chapter 1 verse 6. Okay. He said, a son honors his father and a servant his master. If I be a master, where is my honor? If I be a father, where is my honor? If I be a master, where is my fear? Say the Lord of hosts. And you priests say, you have despised my name. He said, wherein have we despised thy name? Where have we showed dishonor to you? Verse 8. He said, you offer polluted bread. Do you see polluted bread? Upon my altar. And you say, wherein have we dishonored? In that you say, the table of the Lord is contact to verse 8. He said, if you offer the blind for a sacrifice, is it not evil? Look at that. If you offer the lame, is it not evil? And if you offer it into your government, would they be pleased with you? Now, let's go back. That's why Noah came with something clean. Because he knew that to honor God, it has to be clean. 
The Lord smelled the pleasant aroma and said in his heart, the Lord smelled, the Lord smelled. That's honor. Honor can, I have told you, I've taught you in this that honor can be perceived. And I've told you again and again. When I meet somebody who doesn't honor me from his heart, I see it. I may pretend that uh, it's normal, but this is just, I'm just loving you with the love of Christ. But I know that you don't honor. The Lord smelt it. This is something that can. Why you go to a place and you are not wanted? Can't you see it? In fact, one of the things that will make you a success is to know an environment where you have acceptance. Yeah. The ability to know that this environment is an environment I function in. It's not everybody who should be your friend. It's not every place you should go. I don't associate with just anybody. I am very, very choosy in who comes so close to me. Apart from my immediate pastors and the people I work with. Very, because life is all about influence. Somebody say influence. Influence. Everything you are, the sum total. No matter how much of good teaching you receive, if you are influenced by wrong people, it will show in your life. Yeah. If you are influenced by wrong people, there are some of you, we teach great uh, uh, things on marriage here. But you still send all manner of messages to your husbands and your wives to insult them. Yeah, because you are in a group with, we are in a group with people who believe that fire for fire. Yeah. Tit for tat. That's what you believe in. You see, that's your philosophy. But the Bible says that honor your husbands and trust God. Honor your husbands and what? Trust God. But the wives today, they don't want to. They want to deal with their husbands. And they will tell God. They won't trust God. They, they will deal with their husbands and they go and tell God. See how I dealt with him. But the Bible says, honor your husbands and trust God. In other words, the man may not be doing what you want, but honor him. And trust God that he will change your husband. Listen, 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 listen to me, listen to me. The greatest undoing of a woman or a wife is when you make it your project to change your husband. You will fail. You will never enjoy your marriage. And I speak it to you as your pastor. You will never enjoy your marriage. Don't change it. A husband who decides he's going to make his project to change the wife will have crisis upon crisis. Never enjoy his marriage. There's only one who is a pure, a proper, and solid agent of change. And you are not that one. His name is the Holy Spirit. When he changes a person, he changes him inside out. And you, you, you can only get him to change things in your favor when you obey what he tells you to do. When you obey. When you obey. You're arguing with your husband and you're expecting that he will change. No, 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 no. You become more complicated. You become more aggressive. Pray one of these days, uh, if God does not have mercy on you and show you grace to you, he may slap you on top. Yeah, because that's not the way it works. You see, you have to understand the kingdom you are in and how things function. That's all. That's all. You have to just understand it. It's not about uh, Christian marriage. No, no, no. This is, we are not talking about Christianity. It's not a religion. It's a way of life. This is how we live. There's order, there's structure, there's honor around us. He said, The Lord smelled a sweet aroma and said in his heart, Never again will I curse the ground because of human beings. Never again. Now, on one stretch, he said, I'm going to destroy the earth. I'm going to destroy. I said this, but I've changed it because you have shown me this honor. On another stretch, another showed him honor. How many of our God does not change? Yeah, he doesn't change, but he can change. You see, you see, his ability to change is what makes him God. 
his ability to change because he is sovereign in that. If God never changed, then he's not God. Because then you can tell how he should do things all the time. You can predict him. And he, as much as possible in relating with us, he keeps that nature of his. But God can choose to do whatever he wants to do. That's what makes him sovereign. His sovereignty is revealed by his ability to do whatever he wants to do at any time without anybody putting a hold on him. If we could tell him, don't do this, <laughs> he'll miss it. That's why I like the, the story of the, the man who hired people to come and work on his field. He said, what's your problem? He said, are you wicked because I'm good? Do you have a problem with it? This is mine. I can do whatever I want to do with it. You have no place in it. And that's God. God can decide that you are Rahab, but I'm going to make the, the son of God come through your lineage. You are a prostitute. That is your background. And still, I will bring you to the lineage of the Christ. That is God. I'm not communicating here. He can pick anybody and make a somebody out of him. That is what makes God, God. Somebody say amen. He said this, and he changed it. And he changed it because of this honor. Praise God. Number four, the first fruit offering is different from the tithe and other free will offerings. I'm teaching on why we believe and practice the first fruit offering in Embassy of Life Chapel. Nehemiah chapter 12, verse 44. Nehemiah 12, 44. Look at this. And at that time, some were appointed over the chambers. Please look on the screen with me. Some were appointed over the chambers for treasures, for the offerings, and then, and for the, all right, obviously, he will not be talking about the distinctions if they were the same. So, you see that there? Again, verse 37. Let's look at verse 37. Nehemiah chapter 10, verse 37. Nehemiah 10, 37. And that we should bring the first fruit of our dough and our offerings and the fruit of all manner of trees, of wine, of oil, unto the priests, to the chambers of the house of God, and the tithe of our ground. So the first fruit is not the same as the tithe. Second Chronicles 31, verse 5. 2 Chronicles 31, verse 5. And as soon as the commandment came abroad, the children of Israel brought in abundance the first fruit of corn, wine, oil, honey, and of all the increase of the field, and the tithe of all things brought day in abundantly. So you see, somebody said the first fruit is not the same as the tithe. Alright. Now let's look at five. It is an annual offering. Annual and seasonal offering. Somebody say annual and seasonal we offer the first fruit to God when we are beginning stuff and we offer the first fruit to God when God brings us increase. Nehemiah chapter 10 and verse 35 to 36. Nehemiah 10. Nehemiah 10. And to bring the first fruit of our ground and the first fruit of all fruit of all trees year by year unto the house of the Lord. Somebody say year by year. Unto the house of the Lord. Alright, so when you read the household of Ekana, 1 Samuel 1, 2, 21, the Bible said, Now the man Ekana and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. The yearly sacrifice. The yearly sacrifice. And I am tempted to believe that that was possibly the first fruit they were talking about there. Somebody say an amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Are you getting some understanding here? Alright. Why we believe and practice the first fruit sacrifice here? Those are the things I want to talk about now. Why do we believe in it? Why do we believe in it? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 to 2. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 to 2. Let's read this together. Everybody look on the screen. Let's read it together. One go. Follow God's examples, therefore, as 
Hold on. Follow whose example? Pastor Fawcett's example. Follow God's what? Example. Because you are his dearly loved children. I love the New Testament. When I read them, I get excited. Because, you see, the Old Testament is actually the New Testament covered or concealed. And the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. So, most of the things, that, when it comes to the New Testament, there are things that they will just make one uh, uh, sentence. And to really understand it and get the concept well, you may have to read a whole book in the Old Testament to be able to appreciate it. Praise God. So, in teaching the Bible, you cannot fully even do proper exegesis of God's word if you don't have the proper understanding of the Old Testament. Are you with me here? There are people who have made idols of things because they just pick the practice from the old without looking out for the principles. Let me show you something. While you are reading the Bible, one of the things you always want to look out for is what is a practice and the principle. The practices in the old may be different, but the principle, once you find the principle is consistent through the New Testament, the practice can be uh, encouraged. Are you with me here? The same practice can be encouraged once the principle can be answered for in the New Testament. And this scripture gives us a very powerful text. Follow God's example. Somebody say, follow God's example. As dearly loved children. Okay. What is that example? Verse 2, please. And walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved. Alright? So, and gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to the Lord. Did you see something that is similar to what Genesis happened? As a fragrant offering. Walk in love. That's it. He said walk in love. You see, when love is in place, we don't talk about first fruit. We talk about our lives. We don't talk about first fruit. We talk about what? Our lives. I've not met anybody. He said, Pastor, you mean I should give my salary? That, that will mean dying. It's because you are not dead. Can I tell you something? I stopped giving one month's salary about three years ago. I stopped it. What I give as first fruit now is almost three times my salary. What I give as first fruit now, what I'm prepared to give now is almost three times my salary. See, when love is in place, we don't, we don't, we are not looking for, you know, they say, hey, is somebody who is struggling with first fruit. Either he's born again and his mind is not renewed. Or he's born again, but he loves money more than he loves God. He loves money. And you will be miserable. You will struggle through life. If money becomes your God. I did a teaching here. Maybe, I don't know whether it's on the podcast or so. When money becomes your God. You can't give first fruit. You love. He, said, he says, walk in the way of love. Just as Christ has loved and given himself for us a fragrant. I want you to understand why we give first fruit in this church. And then decide whether you will be part of it or not. Yeah, I don't want you to be doing things because you see everybody doing. No, no. Get understanding. Understanding is key. Understanding is key. My understanding in the mystery of the first fruit has so grown that I'm not doing one month anymore. No. I'm not. About two or about a year or two ago, my first fruit was have a, uh, have a, have a, what do you call it? Uh, have a hundred thousand Ghana cities. That was my first fruit. About two years ago. First fruit. Listen, you see, when I, I'm not a teacher, I'm a practitioner. Do you understand what I'm saying? And my life has not reduced. 
My life has known this. My life, my capacity rather has increased. My spiritual capacity has increased. I can't tell you about the testimony that has followed thereafter. In my whole life, in my family. There are things that are no prayer points. There are things that have happened in our family. Mommy doesn't understand what have happened, but I understand them. I've not, I've not even had the time to discuss. I understand them. There are things that at the point I realized that she had become very anxious about. But I knew how to deal with those things. I knew how to deal with those things. Walk in love. Walk in love. Walk in love. If you want the best of God, walk in love. Somebody say walk in love. Yeah, make sure. The Bible says, I have not seen or yet, neither have it entered into the heart of man. The things which God has prepared for them that love him. The, the thing God, for them that love him. Love him. Love him, not money. Don't love money, love God. Turn to your name and say, don't love money. <laughs> you see, Pastor James, you see, you walk in liberty. You see, God is ready to prosper you when you see that the love and the taste for money has died in your life. When no amount of money can come between you and God, you are ready for strange order of prosperity. When no amount of money, and I mean, it, when no amount of money, God can tell you sign a hundred thousand dollar check and you can sign it and God can trust you with that. I tell you, I don't know how you do it, but the money will come. Praise God. The money will come. The money will come. The money will come. So that's why it's that your heart. It's a hard thing. Please take your seat. It's a hard thing. Alright? So that's it. If you cannot give a month salary to God, a month profit to God, is it your life you can give? Huh? Oh, please talk to me. You can give your life? No, 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 you cannot. So that, that uh, listen, I love God, I love God. Stop singing it. I love you, Lord. No, you see, I, <laughs> I remember I said a statement in person. Later on, I, I, I saw that Bobby shared it. I said, when your Christianity is only emotional and not cerebral, you said that, that yeah, I was preaching there. You see, you have to think through your actions and evaluate it very well. What you do, you love God. I was speaking to someone last night. I said, the love of God that does not affect your time. Was it Pastor Ray, you I was talking to? What did I say? Please give me a microphone. Love of God that doesn't affect your time and your money is, is, is fake love. It's fake love. That's all. The love of God, I love God, I love God, which does not affect your pocket. One. And your time is fake. It's fake. Fake. You can't love God and be staying in your house. One month you are not coming to church. Two weeks you are not coming to church, but you have visited every funeral grounds. No, 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 no. Are you looking for a title? Yeah. Yeah. If you really want to check whether you love God, pick your tithe booklet and check it. That is what shows. Not your singing. That, that's, that's what shows. That's what shows. Alright, why do we do the first fruit? Number one, we demonstrate our gratitude. When we bring our first fruit, so please, forget about whatever anybody is saying anyway and listen to your pastor. If I am your pastor, after all. <laughs> when we bring our first fruit here, this is why we are doing it. One, to demonstrate our gratitude to God for the uncommon opportunity created, granted us to live, work, and be productive in a new year. That is what we are communicating. Do you understand what I'm saying? When we are bringing our first fruit, this is what we are saying. 
Lord, we are thankful for the opportunity to be alive in the new year. Because some people saw 31st. <laughs> but they didn't see 1st January. Yeah. They saw 31st December, but they didn't see 1st January. I think 1st January, I was driving somewhere with Pastor Sammy, and we saw a crash. And we're like, wow. <laughs> the year has just begun like that, and somebody just goes like that. There are people whom the year began and since the year began, they've not been able to open their eyes to see what 2022 looks like. You see, <laughs> when you get the opportunity to see a new year, you are in church and you are dancing and the whole man passes by. Listen, be grateful. Turn to your neighbor and be grateful. The Holy Spirit told me this morning that to be ungrateful is to be a great fool in life. To be ungrateful is to be a great fool in life. Do you know that you can, you can enter the year, but you may never be able to make it to work the rest of the, of the year. Because there are people who are in a condition like that. They still have a job, and they pay them very well, but they can't still go there because they are immobilized. So when every other day I see a brand new day, I say thank you, thank you, Lord. That must be your disposition, and that is not in talk. That is indeed. Are you are you around saying that is indeed? That's indeed. That's in, look at what the Bible says, Psalm 107, verse 21 to 22. All that men will praise the Lord. All that men will praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Verse 22. He says, And let them sacrifice the sacrifice of thanksgiving and declare his works rejoicing. All that men will praise him. All that men will praise him. All that men will praise him. David, super grateful guy. Super grateful. Super. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Psalm 103, verse 1 and 2. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. And forget not all his benefits. How could you? How could you? How could you? The Bible says in Lamentations 3, 23, 22, it's of a lost message we are not consumed. Somebody says it's of his message. Say, it's of his mercies. You are, listen, you are working, it's of his mercies. Stop talking boastfully. I should give my money. Really? <laughs> what makes you have money is life. I have never met a dead man in laid in state talking my money. They don't even know where they are lying. They don't know where they are lying. They don't know. Listen, this year is a year of grace. And one of the things you want to consciously work in is humility. Somebody say humility. And humility is expressed in even how we give. When humble people are giving, they are begging for the opportunity to give. Am I communicating here? Yeah. When Solomon was giving, he said, who are we that we should even have something to give to you? That's a humble person. But the proud person, I mean, I'm in Famisica and Koma, sorry. Yeah. I mean, I'm in Famisica. You see, the last time there was a man in the Bible, when I checked, his name is still the same. He didn't have any name. They called him Rich Fool. And his end was not good. You will not end like that. Amen. Somebody say, I know you, man. Be careful. Can I tell you something about how grateful people give? Can I tell you? Do you want to know how grateful people give? Yes. Yesterday, one of our, my sons came for the veteran. We're asking. And, and I was just telling Pastor Ray, ask him. Ask him a few questions. And I, ask, I said, based on this ABCD, can't you see that? You need to be grateful to God. And he says, yes. 
I said, let that gratitude show in this area. He said, yes. Let that gratitude show in this area. You see, sometimes it's not the devil. Your own, a lot of people are stopped in life by their attitude much more than the devil. But unfortunately, Africans, we blame the devil for most of our irresponsibilities. Africans, hey, hey, Satan, oh, oh, if the black continent was not there, I'm sure Satan would be very free. Our own irresponsibilities, foolish behaviors, we label all of that. That's why I'll be teaching you how to make great decisions. Because there are some things Satan is not a factor. And if you are born again, when we come into in Christ proper, we come into Christ. When I begin to teach on who you are in Christ in a, to a certain degree and your dominion and authority, we know that Satan is not a factor. Satan is not a factor in my success. Whether I succeed or fail, Satan is not a factor. No, 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 it's not a factor. It's not. Satan cannot stop my success. Satan cannot break down my home. He has. It's not a prayer point matter. How can somebody under your feet be controlling you? Somebody who is under your feet, you are seated far above principalities and powers. Listen, there are places when you are seated in the plane. When there is turbulence, you don't even see it. You will feel it, but you will see it. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let me show you one grateful person how she came to give. And it was not first fruit. It was dangerous than first fruit. <laughs> Grateful people. Look at this. Mark chapter 14 verse 3. Mark 14 verse 3. Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from incense of nard. She broke open the jar and poured the perfume over his head. Verse for some of those at the table were indignant. Why waste such expensive perfume? They asked. You see, every time it is usually people become reasonable only when it is given to God. When somebody brings uh, some clothes to your office and you are selecting left, right, center without thinking that you are buying on impulse, Satan doesn't come to your mind. But when you come to church and you are taught to give, Immediately, Satan begins to tell you about you need to save, all. you need to plan towards this. You see, that's it. I tell you, people only become their senses only come along, and it's Satan's strategy to keep you poor. But you'll be poor in the church. I said, You'll be poor in the church. They become sensible. Say, Look at this waste, waste, waste on the Messiah, something we are doing for Christ, waste, something we are doing for kingdom, waste. What you put on your body can be waste, but what you put in the kingdom can never be waste. The Bible said, knowing this, that whatsoever we do for the Lord, our labor in the Lord shall never be in vain. You call it waste? God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You call it waste? He is not a man that is you forget your work and your labor of love. Your righteous, you call it waste? <laughs> you are not taught properly. For his God. Look at five. He said it could have been sold. He quantified it. It could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor. So they scolded them harshly. It could have been sold. It could have been sold. And look at the worth of it. A year's wages. One month's salary. A year's wages. Yeah, let's compare now. Uh, oh, talk to me. This is a year's wage. Yours is one month. And you are insulting pastor because of first fruit. 
<laughs> Come again. When people are grateful, listen, they give differently. This woman knew where God brought him from. Listen, don't quickly brush and forget where you have come from. None of us know, but God knows he brought you from very far place. Very far place. And he's still uh, taking you from a far place. Are you here with me? Are you here with me? Now look at verse uh, 6. Jesus replied, leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have a poor among you. And can you help them wherever you went? But she has done what she could and has anointed my body for the burial ahead of time. Take note of the body. Somebody see the body. Uh-huh. He did not do it to the body, the head. It was the body. And whatever we are doing in church now is the body. The church is the body of Christ. The body. The body. The body. The body. Now look at this. He said, I tell you the truth. Wherever the good news is spread throughout the world, this woman's deed shall be remembered and discussed like I'm doing it now. Are you hearing me? Like I'm doing it now. There are people, they live once, but their name never go out of print. They live once, but their name. And there are people, they can live a thousand times, and yet nobody will ever know them. You are setting a new pace for your family. I said you are setting a new pace for your family. Your amen is very weak. Grateful people, they don't give the minimum. They give over and above the minimum. I simply don't have time to recount. Grateful people. No, 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 no. They beg for opportunity and they give over and above. Listen, Solomon became king. And if you know Solomon, you know the circumstances under which if a man really knew about grace, it was Solomon. He wasn't supposed to be. In fact, he wasn't supposed to be born. So to become king is an extreme case. And all of us, none of us merited birth. I know you, are, you may have merited your intelligence. You think that, oh, uh, your position. I worked hard. That's why I become who I am. But you didn't work hard to be born. The people who have been, who were aborted the year you were born, uh, you are not different from them. Am I communicating here? Yeah. The people whose parents abandoned them a bit, you are not different from them. It's just some grace that located you. Am I communicating here? Tell me the truth. This man, let's read it. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah. Let me read that to you. First Kings chapter 3, verse 4 to 11. Uh, it'll be tough, but I've got to finish. Let's go. First Kings 3. Now the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was great high place. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on the altar. Why will he offer a thousand burnt offerings? Lord Silas, you know what? He, he was required by law to give one bull on his investiture. That, by law. And you see, when people give by law, they don't give much. Praise God. Yeah, they don't give much. What runs this church cannot be tight. Praise God. The budget we deal with as a church. I mean, Edna has been shocked again and again. Sometimes he asks me, how are you running the bill? I mean, Edna George. Sometimes he comes to the office and asks, how are you keeping the bill? It's not tight. Why you give your 10% tight and you think you are supporting the church? We are the one keeping the church. May you shut your mouth. Praise the Lord. When you are, you are people who are legalistic, 10%. I stopped giving 10% about five years ago. Because it's, it's not a law thing now. It's about love. Everything I have is his. 
Am I communicating it? That's a principle. Everything I have is his. And you are debating, should we give 10%? And you, are, you can really write a, a treatise on that on Facebook uh, to either encourage and convince people. About 10%? Oh, are you that shallow? Are you that shallow? Are you that shallow? Don't you understand? Can't you, can't you reason a little bit about the, the magnitude of the sacrifice he made to get received? How's your value system like at all? The king went there. I'll tell you, he was supposed, by law, he was supposed to do one bull. And then he goes over and above. Over and what? Above. Over and above. Over and above. Over and above. Over and above. Let me tell you, eh? there is no way people who understand giving and they live it as a lifestyle, their lives can ever in the kingdom be the same as people who are just in church. They can never. There is a way God handles people who are givers. That is, that doesn't handle everybody the same way. God is, I'm not mean, I'm not, I don't mean to say God is a partial God. He's not a partial God. But when somebody is a giver, even if he's not saved, God will create a, a, a avenues to save him. God has a way of keeping and preserving that. Go and check Cornelius. Cornelius, when he was given, he was not born again. He was not born again. But by reason of his heart, his heart that was disposed, God said, an angel. An angel bypassed a lot of people who were prayer warriors in town and went to Cornelius' house because he was a giver. Solomon went there. There was a great high priest. Offered a thousand men offerings. Now look at this. Look at this. I want you to understand. For the first time, I saw the reason why the man gave what he gave. And it was out of gratitude. It wasn't because of anything. Out of gratitude. Look at this. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to him in Solomon by night. And asked, what shall I give you? Don't have any encounters with God. My relationship with God is just shallow. It's because there's no sacrifice inside. Gather my sins unto me who have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. The people God visits in dreams are people who understand sacrifice. Look at verse 6. Then he says, Solomon, God asking. Then look at it. See the statement of a grateful person. He said, you have shown great mercy to your servant, my father David. That's where he started from. Because he walked before you in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart. You have continued with this great kindness for him. And you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Can you sense the gratitude in it? You, maybe you don't understand what, when it means you have shown great mercy to my father David. What David did, God needed to kill him on the spot. Because what he did, what he did, and later on he went and said, Against thee and thee only have I sinned. And when we read it, and we say it's simple like that. It wasn't simple. It wasn't simple because if you are a king of Israel and you did that, you gave the hidden nations an opportunity to mock God. And that was something God was never going to take for granted. You know, what Saul did, it was just between Saul and God. God gave him an instruction. He disobeyed God. So it was just between. But what David did was giving people an opportunity to mock God. And so David should have been annihilated. So his whole lineage should have gone just like a canna. But his case was different. So when he's saying that, I just thank you that you've shown great mercy to my father and you have extended it to me. Solomon, who should become a son? One, an illegitimate child. When Adonijah and Absalom, competitors, people who were overqualified to be kings were there. You, Solomon, one, you were born out of an illicit relationship. You are also one of the least children. You don't, you don't come anywhere. So when he finds himself, you see, Evaluate yourself well. You are too arrogant because you are evaluating yourself too big. Evaluate yourself well. Evaluate yourself well. 
that is a foolish thinking that is destroying your life. Evaluate yourself well. Sit down and look into your life. How many people in your family lineage have been able to see what you are seeing at your age? How many people? Even your father, you are so proud of his accomplishment. Did he have the level of revelation that you have access in God by now at this stage of his life? Taking things for granted. Listen, let's be grateful. Let's be what? Grateful people don't pray for things. Things come to grateful people. How many of you would a, a thousand times be kind to someone just because he said thank you? Just because he said thank you. You will not, you know, just thank you. Thank you alone. There are people who are praying, 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 but because they are not grateful, things are still passing them by, passing them by, passing them by. And gratitude is never in a vacuum. Gratitude is never in what? In a, you cannot say you are grateful without giving something valuable. Three years ago, when I wanted to show my gratitude to my wife for settling with me and giving me peace of mind, I bought her a car. And a number of members here who have capacity have bought cars for their wives thereafter. You don't show gratitude to somebody who has done something precious for you. I just came to say thank you. You do something valuable. You do something precious. And that's what we do when we bring the first fruit. We are not coming. We are saying, Lord, we, we don't deserve to be alive in this new year. As we are bringing our first fruit. We, are telling, we don't deserve to be alive. Because it's of your message we are not consumed. It's your message that we made in 2022. It's of your message that we are here. It's of your message that doors are opening for us. It's of your message that our business has not collapsed. COVID came. A lot of people have lost their job. It's of your message that we are still here. It's of your message that, Lord, we have been kept alive. Other people have gone down with COVID. We could have also gone down with COVID. It's of your message that we are alive. Lord, we come to say thank you. That's what we do when we bring our first food. You are sitting there debating in your mind. Be born again. Debating in your mind. That's what we do when we bring our first food. We are not coming for just to receive something. No, 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 no. We are coming to thank him for what we have already received. That's the foremost reason why we give our first food. Number two, we also give our first food to practically acknowledge and affirm God's first place in our lives. Somebody say, we affirm. We acknowledge. Say, we acknowledge and affirm God's first place in our lives. How many Christians don't know that God must be first in our lives? But how many of us intentionally keep God first place in our lives? And, and the word I use there is intentionally because that makes a difference. Intentionally. Because you will always be tempted to keep him second place. You always, you always. And you have to fight it again and again. So you have to practically do things that will show that you are practically keeping God first place in your life. First place in your life. There are things you do to do it. You show that. There are things you do. And the first fruit. In fact, the whole principle of the first fruit was given in the Old Testament so that people will know that God is number one in our lives. It's not me first. It's Christ first. Are you with me here? Somebody says, it's not me first. Yeah. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ, yet I live. Yet not I, but Christ that lives. The life I now live in the flesh. I give by the faith of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's not me first. It's not about you first. The moment you let go of your first, you say, Lord, it's about you. What do you think? It's all about you. It's all about you. Check your wallet. It's not all about him. It's all about me. Me, my family, my house, my building. That's all it's about. That's all it's about. 
And as long as it remains like that, there will be a limit on your life. You see, I can't simply wait for you to change the level. Women is sick. That's why I'm communicating this truth. That's what I told you. I told you earlier, I'm not preaching, I'm talking to you as your pastor and your leader. Yeah? Because some of you, the only thing that is keeping you away from your next level is the willingness to let go. The willingness to let go. But today, I want you to know what you have in your hand that you are holding on to is not much even. It's not anything. Somebody gave one whole year and it was not anything. Your one man thing that you are struggling with, it shows how weak you are in faith. And it shows how selfish you are. And it shows how unloving you are towards God and his kingdom. Acknowledge. Somebody say acknowledge. Practically acknowledge. Somebody say practically acknowledge. And affirm God's first place in our lives. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. What you do is that, Lord, you are first. <laughs> it's not me and my family. You are first. Because you can spend all of that on your family. And all of you can be in a car. And all of you can end in one second. Am I communicating here? Please, please, please. God is not in need. Get it. God is, and he will never be in need. That's why we must constantly remind ourselves it's a privilege for us to be in partnership. Everything that God uses our offerings to do, he can do it without them. He chooses to collect our offerings so that it becomes partnership. That through the partnership, that which he has already released for us in the spirit can become a reality in the flesh for us. That's, that's all. That's, that's the whole reason behind giving and receiving. That's all. It's not because God can do whatever. I mean, is there anything God cannot do? I'm the God of all flesh. Is there anything I can do? No. He doesn't need a bank. He needs a fish to vomit and gold is out. He doesn't need a bank. He doesn't need people clapping their hands with drums and instrumentalists play. He doesn't need. He just needs stones for them to listen. He says stones begin to shout and stones will get up and be shouting. When you understand these things, you will be very humble. The job I'm doing now, I cannot be proud about it. And I've never been proud by the grace of God about it. No. Because what I'm doing, if I decide I'm not going to preach and do all of that, I'm on the same platform with a donkey. A donkey can just rise up and do what I'm doing. Why should I do it with arrogance? A donkey can do it. Because he has used a donkey to speak before. See, there's a certain orientation where you get you see every opportunity you have to be involved in the kingdom as a privilege. Somebody say practically. Now look at Exodus 20 verse 1 to 3. Mm. And God spake all these were saying, I'm the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Verse 3, he says this, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Somebody say before me before me. In other words, put me first. Have no other gods before me. God's greatest challenge with Israel was that every now and then other gods were coming. And if you be honest with yourself, have you seen that every now and then other gods come between you and God? Oh, please talk to me. Other gods come between you and God? It's your job. Why have you not been coming to church? It's your job. Why are you not coming to church? Because of so, so and so. Why are you not coming? It's every, there's always something, anything that you use an excuse to stop doing what you are supposed to do for God. Immediately, that thing becomes a God. That becomes a God. Immediately. Anything that comes before God becomes a God. And when we do the first fruit, we are simply saying, because the significance of the first fruit is that money is our heart. Somebody say money is our heart. You can't say my heart is in the church when your money is not in the church. Ask a gentleman, do you love the church? 
Then he said, yes. I said, do you tie? He says, uh, on and off. I said, check that law for the church. Because according to Matthew 6, 21, he says, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. Where your treasure, 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 treasure. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. So, it's not, you don't need to tell me. Let's see it in your treasure. Number three, to express our faith and trust in God as our source all through the year. That's why we do the first food. To express our faith. Somebody says, express my faith. Or say, express my faith. Okay, so we give the first fruit to express our faith and trust in God as our source all through the year. All through the year. When God becomes your source, you will never run out of resources. Notice somewhere. When God becomes your source, you will never run out of what? Say it. When God becomes my source, I can never run out of resources. When God becomes, you can never run out of resources. But when you are your source, <laughs> you always, the first fruit offering was sincere by God to keep you permanently reminded that he is your source. 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 The Bible says in Proverbs 3, verse 5 to 10, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. He is your source. He is your source. He is your source. He said, acknowledge him in all your ways. Then he says, be not wise in your own eyes. He was talking about the same thing because this first fruit thing has to do with trust, 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 trust. He said, be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Verse 8. Verse 8. Look at verse 8. He said, and he shall be held to thy navel and married to thy bones. Verse 9. He says, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruit of all thy increase. So shall thy bones be filled with plenty. Trust. Somebody say trust. Trust. That's all. Trust. That is the key word. Trust. Do you trust God? Do you have faith in him? Charge them. Because when it has to do with money, it's trust. Somebody say trust. First Timothy 6, 17. He said, charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches. Why can't you give it? Because you trust in the money. But when you release it, then the money, you see, when you jump, and there's somebody who has promised to hold you, you are not jumping because you trust you won't fall. Am I complicating? No, no, no. You are not jumping because you are trusting that God will hold you. You are jumping because somebody has promised that he's going to hold your hands. That's why you are jumping. That's why it goes. But when that which is in your hands is gone, you let it go and you have nothing to hold on to. God becomes the only thing you hold on to. That's where trust comes. And those who trust God, they never run out of resources. God can use all kinds of means. And this year, amazing resources will come into your hands. I said amazing resources will come into your hands. In the mighty name of Jesus. Proverbs eleven twenty eight. He said, he that trusted in his riches shall fall. He will fall. He will fall. He that trusted. But he that the righteous shall flourish as a branch. Number four. Just left to one more and I close. To dedicate our work and secure his blessing upon it all through the year. When we do our first fruit, that's what we are doing. We are dedicating our work. Somebody say, we are dedicating our work. You won't lose your job this year. You won't suffer challenges on your job this year. Those who open unto you, great contact will come your way. In the mighty name of Jesus, international doors will open for your business. In the mighty name of Jesus, people you have never met will look for you to partner with you. In the mighty name of Jesus, 
people you have worked for but they have long forgotten the Holy Ghost will remind them to bring your results to you shout a believing amen if you believe it shout a believing amen Amen. we dedicate it somebody say we dedicate it when Hannah after waiting for many years without the child when she came to the conviction that Lord if you give the major to me it shall be to you as a first fruit God opened her womb several children followed why? because it was a deal set up look at this Exodus 13 verse 1 and 2 the CEV version said the Lord said to Moses dedicate to me somebody say dedicate to me uh, verse 2 dedicate to me dedicate to me the firstborn son of every family and the firstborn maze of your flock and the head dedicate 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 to me that's what it's about now look at what it says in Romans chapter 11 verse 16 on the first fruits he says if the part the part of the dough offered as first fruit is holy then the whole batch it is holy for if the root is holy so are the branches do you get how it works do you get how it works how will God become part of all I do how will God have opportunity to influence all my finances all through the year? Bring him the first fruit. Praise God. When the first fruit goes, the rest are covered. You are covered. Amen. I said you are covered. Amen. When we release the first fruit, we create the opportunity for the blessing of God, which is already released. God is not going to bless you. He's already blessed you. Your giving is only to create an avenue for that to become a material substance in your hands. That's what it is. Look at it. Exodus 44, verse 30. And the first of, look at that, and the first of all the first fruits of all things, and of every oblation of every sort of your oblations, shall be the priest. You shall also give unto the priest the first of your dough, that he may cause the blessing to rest on thy house. The blessing of God will rest upon your house. It will rest upon your children. Sickness and disease will be far. In the mighty name of Jesus demonic diseases that are designed to take away your children. They shall be blown away by the wind of the spirit. In the mighty name of Jesus, peace and tranquility shall be in your habitation. In the mighty name of Jesus. Take your seats. I close with this. If you don't get anything, go home with this. If you don't get anything, go home with this. When we bring our first fruit to God, we just want to bring pleasure to the heart of God. That's what it is. We bring pleasure. Somebody say pleasure. Oh, pleasure, 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 pleasure. Genesis 4 4. <laughs> the good news. Genesis pleasure. It said, Then Abel brought the first lamb born to one of his sheep, killed it, and gave the best part of it as an offering. The Lord was pleased with Abel and his offering. Somebody say pleased. Please, you bring pleasure to God. When we bring our first fruit, we bring pleasure to God. Pleasure, 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 pleasure. That's why, you know, when uh, Noah offered the first fruit, God smelt it and he was happy. Have you seen God laughing before? <laughs> God was sitting excited. Now, was he excited about the offering? No. Because the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. I mean, how much can you give to God? But you see, what excites God about us when we give sacrificially is that He sees His nature in us. 
You didn't understand what I said. He sees his nature. My greatest joy, Pastor James, is to see the grace of God on my life reflecting your life. That's my greatest joy. That's my greatest joy. It's not easy. My greatest joy is not when I see that you are walking in the anointing that God has placed on my life practically in every way. I'm happy. Because you are my son, you are my dear. Please take your seat. That's what I was When he sees his nature in us. That's why I'm telling you that somebody is not born again and he's giving. He's manifesting the nature of God even more than the one who is born again. How do you say that the nature of God is in you? When this generous aspect for God so loved the world that he so gave and you so love money that you so keep. <laughs> you so love money that you so keep. Then you say, I have the nature of God in you. No. doesn't work like that. Look at this. Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 to 19. I'm closing. When we bring the, the first fruit, we are bringing pleasure. Somebody say pleasure. When you understand it this way, you will not be saying, oh, me, I'm not working. You will find a seed on that day. I mean, I've seen medical students who are students, they give first fruits. Students, they bring first fruit. Students, they say, "As for me, I'm not working." You see, it will show whether after school you will get work to do. Look at that. He said, "I am full. I abound. I am full." Having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell. Please take note. The same thing. This thing has been running through. We saw it in Ephesians. We saw it in Genesis, and we are seeing the same. Uh, is the same uh, uh, translation. Another of a Swiss man, a sacrifice acceptable, well pleasing to where? When sacrifice goes up, it pleases God. It pleases God because it's his nature in us. And then number two, God is pleased with our sacrifice because our sacrifices opens the door for his purposes and his work to advance. It's our sacrifices. Our sacrifices. There's no way you and I would have been saved if Jesus had not sacrificed his life. God's purpose of redemption became a reality through sacrifice. Can somebody say an amen? I said God's purpose, which was redemption, became a reality through what? Sacrifice. That's why you and Jesus can never be the same. He was given a name above every name. Why? Because he opened the door for God's ultimate purpose to be established. I will teach you on the benefit of sacrifice. There are about seven S things that sacrifice that I'll be teaching about seven S the Holy Ghost has given the Father's sacrifice speaks the Father's sacrifice sanctifies the Father's sacrifice secures I'll, I'll share that with you but not today he sees in nature in us look at Hebrews 13 verse 16 I'm closing now do not forget or neglect to do kindness or good uh-huh. do not forget but to do good and to communicate forget not for with such sacrifices God is well pleased let's look at the Amplified version with such sacrifices God is well pleased. You know what pleases sacrifice? Now, maybe one day I'll have time to walk you through where people made sacrifices and God responded. As far as I know, I'm still reading the Bible. I don't know it all. I'm still studying. But what I've studied so far, there was only one time a man offered a sacrifice and God was well pleased. And that was when the person placed disobedience ahead of a sacrifice. And I know a lot of us like to quote it. But every, from Genesis all through the end, every time people gave a sacrifice, God responded positively. Positively so. You remember when Jesus was by the basket and people were giving, he singled out for the widow for a mention. That was recognition. From Genesis, God responded to Abel. All the way down, 
God responds to sacrifice. Listen, those of us who are ready this morning, your sacrifice will speak for you this year. Listen, you see, you've been doing it before, but you didn't have this proper understanding. And now that you are doing it with understanding, because when understanding comes, faith is stead. And when faith is stead, whatever we do brings forth fruits. Look at this. Do not neglect to do good. Contribute to the church as expression of fellowship for such sacrifices are always pleasing to God. Sacrifices are always pleasing to God. How do I please God? Pastor, I want to please God. Make great sacrifices. Make great sacrifices. Make great sacrifices. Can I tell you something? When God is well pleased, crazy things happen. When God is well pleased, crazy things what? When God is pleased, crazy things happen. Let me close with 1 Kings chapter 3. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Okay, so this is a man talking, expressing gratitude to God. Verse 7. Now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father, and I am but a little child. Humility. I know not how to go out or come in. Humility. Now go to verse 8. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen a great people that cannot be numbered or counted for a multitude. Humility. Verse 9. Give therefore thy servant an understanding how to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this thy so great a people? Verse 10. And the speech. Somebody say the speech. Say the speech. The speech pleased the Lord. That Solomon had asked this thing. Now look at verse 11. What happens? When God is pleased, God said, because thou hast asked this thing and has not asked for all of those foolish things. Look at verse 12. He says, Behold, I have done according to your words. Lo, I have given. I have given. I have given. I have given. See, when you please God, you don't ask. He gives. Am I communicating? When you please God with sacrifices, you don't ask. He gives. I have never seen anywhere. Abraham told God, God, you see, you want to bless me. I want you to swear. No. Swear that you bless me. God said, no. <laughs> it didn't come from Abraham. It came from God. He said, because you have done this, Abraham, get ready. I swear by myself that in blessing, I will bless you. Now listen, God doesn't need to swear again because he has already sworn in Christ. Am I communicating? He has made that oath in Christ. All you need to do is to come in alignment. Come into alignment. Come into alignment. Lord, this is what you have said. This is what I'm going to do. And then things will happen. Listen, this will be your best financial year. I said, this will be your best financial year. I speak it as God's set man over you. I speak it as God's ordained shepherd. For everyone who will come on key in faith, this will be your best financial year. It shall be your best financial year. All your financial struggles are terminated. In the mighty name of Jesus, as you make this bold step, I see turnarounds coming to your business, turnarounds in your finances. In the mighty name of Jesus, in the mighty name of Jesus, so it shall be in your life. Pastor Afuakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all round victory 
success and limitless prosperity. Share your testimonies with us on 020-422-5790 or email us at embassyoflifechapel at gmail.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afuakwa on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. For more information, visit our website at www.embassyoflife.org. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our services at our headquarter church from 6.45 a.m. to 8 a.m. for our first service, which is our Excel service, and from 8.45 a.m. to 10.45 a.m. for our second service, which is our celebration service, and on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6 p.m. to 7.45 p.m. Our church auditorium is located on the top floor of Nanama Ejakumar Plaza, opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santasa Runabout, Kumasi, Ghana. Alternatively, you can join us online for our services on Embassy of Life Chapel, Facebook, or YouTube pages. God richly bless you. Every time I get it away.